hello and welcome to Bebel Podcast with myself, Sean Horn. Today, I'm delighted to introduce to you global expert on leadership and communication, Gina London. Gina, hi and welcome. Good morning, Sean. Great to be here. Um, so as you know, Bebel is all about um, the story behind the person and delving into the nitty gritty. So for you, where did it all start? Well, it didn't start here in my in my master suite in Dublin, where I'm coming to you right now, and all of us in our self-isolation these days. But I grew up in a small town that was very protective and caring, and everybody knew everybody's business, good or bad, I suppose, in, in Indiana. So I was in a small town in a small state in the center part of the United States. I grew up one of three kids. My mom was a stay-at-home mom largely until my dad, who was a pilot for a small corporation, sadly was killed in a plane crash when I was 11 years old. And then my mom went back to get her degree, or her master's actually, she had her degree. She got her master's, she became a teacher of teachers for the hearing impaired and small children. So I grew up with a great model, a great role model of persistence and determination and stick to itness, which actually, especially now, you and I were, were talking before we actually officially began the recording for this podcast. And you mentioned, and I think it's a great term, the Corona role, the Corona coaster that many of us are on right now. And I keep thinking about my mom who's still alive. She got remarried when I was in college. Lovely, amazing lady, one of my heroes, because her determination, her, her, not willing to give up when she's frustrated and she certainly was frustrated throughout lots of different things and like all of us are now i think varying degrees of ups and downs and feeling like we're gonna get through it feeling like why bother and so my my childhood is as difficult as it was losing a father in the way that i that i did a parent in the way that i did i think that was a certainly a forming part of my empathy and the approach that i bring to leadership and human kindness and compassion, especially during this time, but also seeing my mom as someone who kept getting the breakfast on the table, went back, went back to work, made sure that she could make a difference for others, even though inside herself, she was questioning all sorts of things, mm. is a, hopefully a great example that I try to draw on and share with others as we all go through this. And where do you come in the siblings? You have two siblings. I was, yeah, I, I'm the eldest, I'm, I, I, I was the firstborn. So those sorts of, and then people will talk about the, the psychology of your, of your position in, in your ranking or whatever. And so I was, I was that kid who was small rural school. I was pretty top of the class because the competition pool was so small, I suppose. But I was also, I was a bit competitive. I was not a super athlete, but I was definitely one of those kids that was into the, the arts and the theater. I was the editor of the school newspaper. It was that kind of, a, of a, an approach. And it's interesting the way that, I mean, my sister and brother and I are all really great friends now. We support each other, but we're all very different. My brother is a human merman. I mean, he lives in West Palm Beach on a boat. He repairs and does woodworking for high-end custom yachts and when he's not surfing or scuba diving or yeah types of things he does my sister lives with her husband in Ohio so they he's a 
he's would be one of the first responders or the first line workers he's a surgeon in ohio at one of the hospitals there near cincinnati and she takes care of their their daughter and their home and i'm out here living in in ireland working with different multinationals and executives and making that pivot like we yes. were talking about before the podcast started on how to do remote coaching instead of in-person coaching and remote support and training of leaders instead of in-person training and coaching and it, it's all about the different people coming together in this time and i think my sister and brother widely different people but we have a great affinity and love for each other and again the things that bond and connect us now are the things that are really coming to the forefront during this time yeah and so when you left school did you head off to college what did you choose to do yes i was I, yes i was a journalism and political science major at the at indiana university which is the largest the largest state school there in indiana they have a very strong journalism program as a matter of fact and so i was grateful to be a part of that and I was in student government. I was the social chairman of my sorority, probably no surprise there. I, I had a great experience and I was able to interview and work with a lot of other journalists that went on to contribute in different ways. My first job out of college was at a newspaper then actually in Orlando. So it was a great experience in terms of learning to write and learning to interview. And from then I moved up to Washington DC. My sort of dream as a kid from a small town to go to the nation's capital. I worked for a Democratic congressman from my home state of Indiana for a time. And then I worked for the Democratic Party really briefly before I went back into news. And at this point, I went into television news. I worked for the local owned and operated Fox news station. Yes. Um, at that time. And from Fox, yeah, I know from, from the Fox station, which it was a great experience because the morning newscast, which I worked on as a, as a first as a second producer and then a writer and ultimately a reporter. But that experience, because in local news at a top 10 market in Washington, of course, Washington news, it's local, is national news. So it was an incredible experience to be on some of the top national yeah. stories at that point. And then I was able to go and become a freelance writer for CNN, the, the Washington Bureau. And that's how I made my transition into the network. And I ultimately was hired full-time as a reporter for CNN. And what was the most exciting, like going back to your Fox, C I suppose, and CNN days, who, what, what really sticks out for you? What was the most exciting interview you did or the best day at work, I suppose? Yeah, I mean, I'm grateful because again, I was, I got into journalism and into news because of people and because of their stories. And yes, I've interviewed presidents and I interviewed Pope John Paul and I actually even had a small conversation, wouldn't have been a formal interview, but I did get, even get to uh, meet Princess Diana when she came to Washington wow. just a few months before her, her, her death. But it's sometimes it's the smaller stories of the ordinary people that are the most impacting because they, they're unexpected. And there's, again, that common bond of what unites us comes through. And so I, I interviewed uh, a 93-year-old former Olympic skater, figure skater, and now she's 93 and she's still she was still teaching at that time. And there was just something really poignant about her, again, the story, I think my theme of determination and continuing to contribute yeah. is something that resonates with me. So she was, at this point, she was, I think, living in Philadelphia and at that skate 
at, at some community skating rink and still trying to give less or giving giving lessons and trying to contribute. So it's those quieter stories. And then I covered 9-11. So we talked about another time of uncertainty and crisis. I interviewed victims' families in New York. And again, I think the empathy from my own childhood experience of losing someone, a dear loved one, so suddenly and unexpectedly connected me with the people who were struggling at that time with the sudden and incredibly unexpected loss of their own family members and friends. So it's like always, it's the connection of people. It's always the yes. stories of human heart that mean a lot to me. And it's, it's the integrity of those stories and the integrity of those people that I try to instill and bring out and develop in the executives people that I coach today. How did that journey evolve for you to go from reporter to coach? Thanks. Um, yeah, Sean, I went, I mean, the CNN experience was great, but it also yeah. was one that didn't have a whole lot of holidays, didn't have a whole lot of free time, didn't have, I mean, it was great, but they will, the managers would tell you if you ever said, hey, you know, I haven't had a holiday in like four years and I'm not exaggerating. That's true at one yeah. point. And the managers would say to you, you know, there is a line around the block of people who would do what you're doing for less. And after about 10 years, you go, you know what? It's time for somebody else. Um, I never was a top, top, top multi-million dollar earning mega star. And after a while, you go, you know what? Maybe there's some other things out there called like, you know, a life or a life. <laughs> vacation or a date. I don't know. And what happened then was I had a chance. I was headhunted to go to a big lobbying firm, a government affairs firm in, in Colorado. And I took that position because I was able to create the Department of Communications for that organization. It was a great experience then. And then I started moving from, from reporting to le leveraging the stories of other organizations to help influence and persuade. So I started going around the world then and running campaigns and doing campaign strategy on messaging for a lot of issues. And this is where my, again, the love of people yes. and impact messages and stories comes together. I got to work in Cambodia with an incredible group of young leaders trying to build the first immunization awareness campaign. So that health connection with what we're going through today actually resonates. I also worked with some incredible moms who were also happened to be Iraqi ladies who were running for parliament for the first time. And I flip it to put the mom part first because again, they were civil leaders and they were politically minded and they were clearly successful and ambitious, but they were also many of them moms who yes. also had that concern and they brought that integrity again to what they were doing. And so it went, it evolved from that into the same sort of ability to add strategy and structure and a lot of this in some ways theatrical communications presentation delivery yeah. became something that you could apply to anybody you can do it to emerging democracies or emerging countries you can also do it in a campaign or you can do it with corporate leaders and emerging leaders who want to better inspire and motivate and connect with others and themselves and that's the evolution of it all absolutely um, and i think it's you know b-bell is all about women um, and so it's really interesting to hear those stories again 
the affirmation of it because that's what we're doing on a daily basis. I always say when people share their story, some people will say, why is she sharing her story? But so many more other people will say, actually, that resonates with me. Now I feel like I belong with you. And that's how that community is built. Um, and I think it's really important to share. So sharing is so important. I mean, sharing is it. And it's funny that you mentioned that, Sean, because I most right now most of my coaching clients are men, but I have coaching clients who are women too. And I think when we live in a, a world that has both of us, yes, it's important that we that we keep that connected. But really, my larger influences have been have been women and i think because we have or at least their society expects that we have this more sharing nurturing side that we're given opportunity to develop that or show that more however a lot of the men that i'm working with they've been interestingly the ones to hold back and say well i understand my leadership style or my executive presence style but this sharing story thing is unusual for me and so to be able to help tap the importance and the connection part about that to them and remind them back to what you said is that if you share a story that you think, oh, this is seemingly not a powerful story, or this is a story of when I was a kid and how can that connect? But then you are brave and, and you actually do share it and you connect it back to maybe a business lesson or something that's relevant, obviously, to the time you will be, or I've seen my clients be so surprised and impacted by the impact that it makes to someone else. And that's the power of sharing Yeah, is that you think, oh, well, I can't do that because I'm not an expert. Well, you know what, if you can, if you share your story and you connect even with one person, then that makes a difference for that person's life. And why wouldn't you do that? You know, for certain, if you don't share, you're not going to make an impact. You don't know what level of impact you'll make if you do share, but if you don't, the answer is zero. Yes. It's like when you reached out to me to do this podcast, I've had some people say, I'd give advice, well, you need to protect your brand and you should only be doing if it's this multinational or it's this corporate. I'm like, look, people are people. And if you and I together can impact somebody out there right now going, you know what, because of this podcast, I'm going to share something. And then that person shares and somebody else is impacted. We may never even know that. But yeah. if we're able to give a message of, hey, come together, connect with someone, be kind. These are messages that I think now, especially we're being reminded of, but it's important to hold on to them and to not lose sight that it's is always, this has always been what's important. It's just, we're reminded of it more now. Absolutely. And I hear women, women say to me all the time, you know, you, you mentioned, I'm not an expert on that. And I will say, but this is your story. So you are the expert because it only happened to you, but it will resonate with other people that have had similar experience. And we always say, you know, and I think there's a feeling of fear that it's not perfect. And I always, you know, yes. for me, I always cele celebrate progress rather than the perfection, because I grow all the time. You know, I always say to people, I'm not the same coach I was in 2008. I'm not the same anything that I was six months ago. If, well, hopefully, because hopefully I've learned some stuff in the last six months. Um, yeah. so it's, we're always progressing and we're always becoming better people. And this, exactly, and this whole experience of 
connecting via screens right now is reminding us that we still need to find a connection. If we can't meet face-to-face, -face, which is obviously the number one, that's in the first position. But if we can do this, even this is something better than just staying in our, in our homes and not in, in, or interacting with other people. And interestingly, businesses are really picking up on this. They're accelerating their understanding of this. Yeah. And I did interview a couple of weeks ago, the CEO of Fortune Magazine, Alan Murray. And now this is an interesting story because I subscribed to a newsletter that he writes. To, I mean, it goes out to a zillion people. So it just came into my in inbox and my email like anybody else, right? Yeah. And I saw that he was talking about are companies being more value driven now? Are they caring more for their people now because it's a PR stunt or because they really are getting it? And I thought that was a really powerful question. So I just wrote to him on the email at the bottom of the, of the newsletter and said, here's who I am. And I write a little column and I'd really love to interview you. And you know what? He wrote back to me in like an hour. And I don't know if that was because he's got nothing else to do because he's sitting in his house in Connecticut and he needs, or if that's his heart, but it, I think it's, I think it is his heart. Yeah. And I think this is, and then we had a lovely zoom interview that we did just like you and I are speaking. And he said in his 20 years of working with top CEOs and companies, he is seeing people being more value driven and more leading with the heart than ever before in this time. And so I think that's what we're capturing right now with this podcast. That's what we're capturing with people sharing more of themselves, celebrities, being doing their their instagram videos or or what have you from their homes and i hope that we stay with that i hope this isn't a back to normal situation and i think that we can continue to build upon this globally and it really could change us i hope so well, part I, of me and thinks it won't but i hope it does no i think i think we need to make sure it does and you know, I, I write, you were on my brave list. Okay. So I had a list of people that I've always wanted to interview on Bebel and, oh. and, and I have a brave list. So when this all happened, I was like, you know, if I'm going to be braver, so I'm going to ask people that I'd normally go, Oh, she'll never have the time. She won't be able to do that. And I'm just going to ask because what's the worst that can happen. And, um, but luckily you came yeah. straight back and said, that would be fantastic. So, <laughs> But, um, but I think it's good to have a brave list or, a, you know, a short-term goal. I'm not a big one for giving myself yearly goals. I never want to read at the beginning of my diary at the end of the year that I didn't achieve something. So I'm always short-term. Um, yeah, I think it's great. And going back to your story now, because we, we were sidelined a little bit, but what brought you to Ireland? Oh, well, I came to Ireland because I've been living overseas for several years with my daughter anyway. I was in Italy before this. Okay. And I lived in and I lived in Paris with her for a couple of years before. So that. let's rewind a little bit then. So let's rewind a little bit because we can't miss out the daughter. <laughs> <laughs> so so from CNN, you made some decisions. You went into coaching. You moved abroad. True. I, I did. Yeah. There. There. Obviously, I, it wasn't an immaculate conception. So there was. <laughs> I did have. A, was a, man. Have a partner. No. I did have a, I did have a partner or I did have a husband. I don't have that husband any longer, but I do have that lovely daughter. So I I'm a single mom now and she's an amazing 12-year-old and we came to Ireland because I really wanted to stay in Europe in the experience that we were having, which is for me as a kid, as I said, growing up in a small town in Indiana, you don't see 
15th, 16th century Renaissance paintings in churches, just what that you walk in like you do in Italy. You don't see 12th century castles in like you do here in Ireland. I mean, it is to me a heightened sense of life living here. I mean, gosh, every morning I'm so grateful I get up and in lockdown, I still get to go and jog by the Irish Sea every morning. I live now up on the, on the southern part outside of, of Dublin and I'm blown away by where we live. So I moved to Ireland because it's a great place to do business and a safe place to raise my child. Yeah, no, I have to say I'm 20 years in Ireland and um, I can't imagine living anywhere else. I was 10 years in Dublin, um, but I've really found my true home in Cork. Um, but the whole of Ireland is just fantastic. And actually, I was watching an interview with Matt Damon yesterday. I don't know if you saw it. Oh, I caught it. Of course, everyone was. Yes, that was what a great get, get for spin. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But I just thought it was so wonderful that this amazing actor is is hiding out in Dorky but people in Dorky are not letting him be found um, they're protecting because because you know when that's part of what I think you're touching on is that there is a sense of you're part of us right away yeah. and you're not from Ireland originally I'm not from Ireland originally but I feel so welcomed and I feel so much a part of this community that sometimes I forget when I open my mouth and my American accent comes out that that's telling someone like they go where were you from like what I'm from here. I'm not. So it, it, it's, and, and we have, we're fortunate. We were living in Cork first as you and I met yes. together at Tulsa a few years back when I was first moved here, but now we're up in Dublin and we live in a neighborhood that is so community centered and so supportive. I mean, we have WhatsApp groups from the moms in like looking at my phone here, WhatsApp groups of the moms in this neighborhood giving encouraging memes and lines and good mornings and all that sort of stuff that my daughter just says, I never want to live anywhere else. It's just really a very community based. And I feel that way that it's that way in lots of parts. And I'm not trying to over rose colored glasses, a whole entire country, but person to person, I have had so many incredible experiences here in Ireland. Yeah, no, I think we are very lucky. I remember when I first moved here in 2000, I remember getting out of the taxi and um, my friend saying to me, are you okay? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I just got in a taxi. I've just told that man my life story and now he knows where I live. <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah, right. because that would never happen in London. The taxi, you know, it, you wouldn't have had those kind of conversations. And, um, but yeah, no, I felt at home straight away, I have to say, when I moved here. But so, so how long have you been in Ireland now? It's five years already. Okay. And that seemed that I say that has just flown by, has it? It has. It has. And there have been so many great experiences. I mean, again, I've been really fortunate to be able to meet wonderful people and be given opportunities that, that through television, radio, and, and the column that I write in the Sunday Independent to have a bit of I don't want to say access because that makes it sound like it, it's this thing, but just to be able to meet people who are impacting on a scale yeah. and be able to profile them and amplify their voices and help further impact or people who are quietly impacting and then have an opportunity to amplify those voices. Again, my mission really, as I see it on life in life is to help people feel more comfortable and confident in the way that they can more positively impact others. And that has that multiplying effect. And if I can help people do that, that's 
my mission done. I think you should do a podcast. You have the most amazing uh, voice. So I could listen to you all day. Um, oh, <laughs> next on the list, Gina. But so where's your business now at the moment, Gina, obviously during these times? Well, I can be real honest with anyone yeah. who's, who's being here is that the first week when the shutdown began, I mean, I, like many others who are self-employed and running their own business, and mine's largely was made on in-person executive training or conference facilitating and speaking, in-person, in-person, in-person. So I watched a, tens of thousands of euros be canceled or postponed in a week, in a in, in series of emails, in a couple of days. And that was really concerning. You know, how do you keep your lights on? How do you legally, because I have a business that is approved here in this country through the Department of Justice, and I need to renew that actually in June. So my business plan that they needed to check off and look at is not the business plan that I had planned that was okay. on a trajectory. And, and so it's concerning. Now, fortunately, I have some big, as I'm mentioned to you before we started yeah i have multi i my clients are largely multinationals so they while they might be losing some revenue it's not on a scale the way that a small business might be in terms of the proportion of their income so the resources for when i was able to go to my clients and say i can provide virtual support i've come up with these new modules about leadership connecting with your teams supporting your teams finding your own voice and your character through crisis and how to develop that, how to achieve your plan B, how to, and here's a big one for a lot of us now, how to be a virtual video conference broadcaster, because you can't just after eight weeks still be looking at yourself with your laundry in the background or your nose going up your nostrils. I mean, there are some things that you need to be taking care of if you're trying to be client facing or customer facing. So I developed a whole series of online virtual models or modules and those have taken off. My remote coaching has obviously accelerated and that's become a source of income. By no means have I recouped what I have lost, but we are keeping the lights on figuratively and literally. So that's a good thing. Now I do hope that we're going to begin to emerge and some more people. I actually, interestingly, I'm in June, early June, I'm booked to facilitate an online networking meeting. I'm facilitating for a big pharmaceutical company in Ideathon for two days to have people come. Innovation now yeah. is such a critical level because companies are going to be re-emerging or re-entering and combining remote working with in-office and social distancing. I was just having a big brainstorm session with some other entrepreneurs yesterday about what the touchless workplace is going to look like and how do you plan for not just your compliance and your regulations, but how to make your work staff feel safe and comfortable and still have connection. And there's a lot of considerations that go along that with technology and digital and innovation that I think we can all come together and I'm helping facilitate some of those. So short answer, lost some money, longer answer, rebuilding, longer term answer hope to still be here for another five years and onward well absolutely and i think doing doing all what you're doing you are future proofing your business as well because 
if this is to happen again, I think that's the important thing that people have got to remember is you've got to be ready now because we weren't. Look, going back, look, going back to my mom yeah. after my dad died and the feeling of, I wish this hadn't happened. I don't want to do this. I don't like my situation. This is not what I'd signed up for. All those things you can think about in this context too. And I bet we all have. Yes. But then that feeling of, okay, what am I going to do about that? And the way that we respond to these things. And I know there's a lot of people out there like, God, if I hear the word compassion and empathy one more time, I'm going to punch you in the nose. But how we respond is exactly what gives this situation meaning. And it keeps us hopefully emerging stronger. And it shows a great example to the people that we impact and we interact with either in person or remote. So it's important. And it's also important, as you said earlier on, to acknowledge that it's not always going to be easy. Yeah. But you keep that determination and keep connecting and sharing because that refuels you. Yeah. It's, it's back to honesty and being honest with yourself first and foremost and recognizing when you're not having a great day. I, I mean, I'm, I'm one of, I come from, if you don't know it's bad, you never feel the good. So, you know, on those days that are fantastic, I'm, I'm like t- t- Tigger jumping around the house, getting it all done. But um, listen, I want to finish with a couple of questions that have been left from your predecessors. So I'm going to pick a couple and read them out to you and um, see where we got. Let's have a look. Okay. Oh. What song is your first pick to make you happy? Oh my gosh, I can easily answer this one. And it goes back to the the 80s. It's from um, Haircut 100, Pelican West album, Fantastic Day. Oh, that's an amazing one. What was the lead singer called? I used to to have a crush on him. Um, His name is um, Nick Hayward. Hayward? Nick Hayward, and he's still on, I follow him on Instagram, actually, and he's a lovely person still, and he's was doing some recordings from his home during the first part of the part, part of this. He probably still is, Amazing. but yeah, lovely. I'll have, I'll have to go and have a look. The next one, and final one, who is your biggest inspiration? Oh, for sure, my mom. Yeah. Undoubtedly my mom. Yeah. I mean, when you, you know, there's a lot, I think a lot of people, and it's fine to put your inspiration in celebrities because they have these bigger than life qualities and, and we feel like we know them, but we not, we mostly don't. And when you know someone and you know them on a bad day and you know them without any makeup on and you know them when they're frustrated and you know them consistently over a long period of time and you still respect and admire and observe their real self, that to me is the best hero you could. If you can have a hero like that or take inspiration from a person like that, that is a real test of a true of a true person, and so for sure, my best, my strongest, most long-lasting inspiration, most consistent inspiration, is my mom. That's amazing, and what a way to end. Listen, Gina, thank you so much for your time. I can't wait to listen back to that. Um, thank you again. I really appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity. I hope we impact some lives. Please go out there and share. If you want to follow me on Instagram, it's just the Gina London or on LinkedIn. I like with Sean, I'm here to help. 
I'm here to support. So I really hope this was helpful in some small way. I'm sure it will be to many, many. Thank you so much. Take care.